Good morning. Hello everyone. Um, may we request all to stand up? Good. But before we start, kindly greet your seatmates. Na good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Let's start with the. Before we start, let's start with our prayer. Lord, thank you for another day that you have given. Thank you for another life that you have given that we have a purpose again. Thank you for always being with us in our journey. Thank you for guiding us in every step that we do, that we take, Lord. Thank you for showing us how good you are in our lives. Lord, as we sing, sing songs to you, Lord, um, thank you that may we feel your love. May we feel how you have been so good to us. Lord, as we hear your word, may your word let us learn a lesson that may we take home a lesson that we will apply in our daily lives. Thank you for giving us your continuous grace, continuous mercy. Thank you for everything that you have done. We love you, Lord. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Yes. All right. Medyo dudugo ilong natin ngayong umagang ito. <laughs> I was just telling them, Pastor Scott, that it's a great morning to worship the Lord today. Amen? Amen! Amen! So ngayong umaga, I was just reading my Bible yesterday, and it is biblical to sing worship to the Lord, to praise God, to shout unto His name, and to dance for Him. Amen? So this morning, we will do something a little bit different. So when I say shout, or you hear the word shout, you say, praise the Lord. Can we do that? Yes. Amen. So let's do an example. One, Just one sample. Shout! Praise the Lord! Shout for joy! Alright, let's read Psalms 95, 1 and 2 before we sing songs for the Lord. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout! To the rock of our salvation, let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. Shout to the Lord! Praise the Lord! Come on!
to our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sino dito masaya? Amen. Nagbibigay ng papuri sa Panginoon. Amen. Amen. Oh Lord Jesus. Oh God, we come before you today. Shall we all raise our, our hands up to the heaven this morning as a sign of surrender to the Lord. Lord Jesus, our hands are lifted high before you this morning, Panginoon. Lord, it's not just our hands, but also our hearts, oh God. Lord God, we lift our hands to you as a symbol, oh God, as a sign, Panginoon, that our hearts are fully surrendered before you, Panginoon. Our minds are all, Lord Jesus, everything that we are, oh God. This morning, oh God, we surrender to you.
May I ask everyone to rise up as we continue to be in the presence of Jesus.
song. Saturate us, oh God. Stir in our hearts the passion for your name, oh Jesus. We want more of you, oh God. Stir in our hearts wanting for more of your Holy Spirit. More of your righteousness, oh God. More of your word, oh God. Hunger for more of you, oh God. Lord God, this morning we are hungry for more of you. We long for your presence. We long for the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, come before you. Welcome in this place, oh God. You're welcome in this place, oh Jesus. Oh Lord God, fill this place with your Holy Spirit, oh God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and consume us, oh God. the desire, O oh God, to hide your word in our hearts, O oh God, that we may not sin against you, Panginoon. Lord, this morning as we worship, Lord, as we hear your message, O oh God, allow it to move in our hearts, O oh God, and to change us, O oh God, to change the inside of us, O oh God, and radiate it from the outside, O oh God. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We glorify your name. We magnify your name, oh God. You alone deserves all the glory, all the praises, all worship. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, everyone say amen and amen. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. Amen. all be seated alright batiin mo yung katabi mo sabi mo nagagalak ako na nandito ka ayan magandang umaga sa inyo lahat ayan. so we're in this series entitled what's your story so for the whole month of October we'll be talking about stories revealing that each person has a story to tell and that each story matters to God. Amen? Amen. Today we'd be looking on how God redeems each story to make it part of His story. And today it gives me much joy and privilege to introduce our preacher for this morning. He's not new to most of you. He's been, he's been here last year, but what makes it different this time is he's joined by his lovely wife, Sandy. And who happens to be her first time here in Baguio. They have been married for 
34 years. I'm glad I got it right. For 34 years, and I'm blessed with two daughters. They also have three granddaughters. Wow. <laughs> three granddaughters. He is the lead pastor at North Shore Christian Church, also the relational uh, discipleship network facilitator and board member. He is a good friend of mine, a brother in Christ, my mentor. Let's all give a round of applause for Pastor Scott Harris. Check, check, check. Ooh, we have power now, right? All right. Um, yeah, this is not my first time at One Beat. Um, it was a few years ago. When I came a few years ago, there were not so many of you. Praise Jesus, right? Uh, I love it. I love what, yes. And so before I start, um, you know, I have to tell you, um, as Pastor Mike said, I get the, the good privilege of traveling all over the U.S. and uh, places in the world uh, and sharing with churches uh, and leading um, discipleship training. So I meet maybe hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of pastors worldwide. And I'm going to tell you something, and know this, it's just not flattery. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Um, you have two of the best leaders that I've seen worldwide in Pastor Mike and Isil, right? It, it, it is true. Um, I am a super fan. I watch your services online, um, and I don't speak Tagala, right? So I get a, about 80%, right, in English. But the spirit, I can feel the spirit and what he's saying and what he's doing here. Um, so uh, I love One Beat. And so for me to be here is a deep, deep honor. And in this trip, uh, my wife is here, and I've been telling her I cannot wait for you to go to Baguio City and go to One Beat. So this is a treasured moment for us. So my prayer is this. Yeah, thank you. So my prayer is that uh, in my great excitement, because uh, I love Jesus with all my heart, um, I love talking about him, and I get excited, so I want to talk slow so you can understand me, okay? And I love one beat, right? And so I get excited. Um, so if I talk too fast, just go, slow down, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, right there. Uh, so, Mike, you've got me, right? Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, you shepherd this flock, and you protect them from my fast talking. Uh, his story. What's your story? What a great series idea. As Pastor Mike shared, um, your story, my story is sacred, right? Because our story is his story. No matter where you're at, even for those outside of the faith, God is still working. God is still calling, drawing them. So they are still part of his story. And if it's his story, it's sacred. It's holy. And so when we come up here, and we're going to share our story. Um, and I've listened to a few of your messages recently. Uh, it is sacred and holy and beautiful. Um, and so as I share my story with you, uh, my prayer is that God would get all the glory. You know, as I talk about my journey, and sometimes I, ooh, I don't want to talk so much about myself, because my story is nothing without him. Right? And so my prayer is you'll hear Jesus in my story. 
Um, so what's your story? Uh, and we are telling our story through our life verse. And a life verse is important, right? Because what it does, it reminds you of his story in you. Um, it inspires you to stay connected. So my prayer and hope for all of you as you're going through this series, if you don't have a life verse, you'll get one, right? Uh, and it might change through the seasons of life because uh, all of you uh, are on a journey. And there's a verse that speaks to your story because what a verse does, uh, it reminds you of his power, what he's capable of. It reminds you of what he's done in your life or what he will do in your life. My life verse has a theme to it and something I repeat to myself often. It's even me. I'm going through life and I look around and I experience things. Um, I look to God and, and I think, even me. And it comes out of my life verse, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me read it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it's verses 1 through 5. And within these verses, depending on what I'm going through, it shifts a verse or two sometimes, right? But it's this thought uh, that inspires me, and God reminds me, even me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. Verse 2, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Power. Now, these words are from the Apostle Paul. I know Brother Jamar, this is like um, part two from last week, okay? Just so you know, as I was listening to the message this last week online, and, and Brother Jamar, great message, by the way. Thank you for that. Um, I said, boy, this is kind of like part two. And so he gave you a little history of the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to a church in the city of Corinth, okay? Um, and, and, and here's Paul's story and why this verse reminds me of God's power and ability to work in everybody's life, even mine, even me. So Paul, uh, you know, he grew up, you know, educated, right, wise, and he was a Jew of Jews, also a Roman citizen, and that mattered. And so as he grew up and he got into high places as an adult, one of the things he did was persecute Christians. Um, he hated them to a place that he would do murderous things to destroy Christianity. And God found him on the way to Damascus, right? In a, in a bright light, Jesus spoke to him right? and radically changed his life. 
that Paul is, you know, wrote most of the New Testament. And what he did in his ministry, because he knew and understood, he said this, I've got to get to Rome. So if you look at the Apostle Paul's journey, it was all about getting to Rome. Why? Rome was the center of the power of the world at that time. And he wanted to bring the gospel there. Right? Even though he knew it would most likely cost him his life, and it did. And so in his journey, he took missionary trips. And you can read about those in the book of Acts. Well, on his second missionary journey, he ended in a town called Corinth, which was in Greece. Now, Greece was also a very powerful, powerful nation. And so when Paul arrived there, planted a church, and then sometime later he got word that, hey, things aren't going so hot at this church. So he wrote letters back to them, and those letters are found in First and Second Corinthians, right? And Paul was writing back to a people, right, that they were in their, um, in this convergence of the world, okay? Greece, we know Greece, right? It was known for its great wisdom, still is today. The great philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, all of them came from Greece. So it's about being smart, figuring out the world. But what happened is when Rome took over the world, um, Caesar understood Corinth was right in basically central Greece. And there's two major bodies of water that emerged in this thin land. So what happened, it became powerful. So Rome came in and um, took it over, but also made it a Roman city. And what Rome was known for, as you can guess, is great power, great might. They stood on their own. They're ruling the world. And Paul knew this. And they had the whole world that converged in there. And it was this melting pot of belief and practice centered around wisdom and power. And in that is when Paul wrote this phrase that is my life verse. What he says is, I come to you not with the world's wisdom. Right? Powerful statement. Right? Because Paul could have. Right? He was trained under the most um, educated people, the greatest rabbi of the time. He knew. He said, I didn't come with wisdom or a demonstration of power. He was a Roman citizen. He could have brought power. No. Here's what he said. I come to you. And the thing that I'm going to preach is not with great words or great power, but I'm just going to preach Jesus and him crucified so that God gets the glory. Because here's it. What God can do in a person's life is far greater than they can do or the promises of the world and those things. And that's why this is my life first. That's why the theme of even me. I'm going to tell you my story. What you're going to hear, I hope, is a story um, that God can, power can even use me well, the world did this to me. The world said this about me. But God said something else. And God did something else, even in me. Um, and so I'm reminded when I look back that he can use me. He can do something great. He can do something mighty, even in me. So I'd like to share my story with you. Um, 
my story. Um, when I was a child, you know, uh, I was born into a very, very uh, poor home, uh, very broken home. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic and extremely violent. My memories of my childhood are times when he nearly killed my mother, beating her so bad. So I still have these memories of violence and anger and drunkenness. Uh, I remember going to my dad, and I think I was three years old. It's a vivid memory. And he just beat my mom so bad I thought she was going to die. And I, I was so scared, so hurt, so angry. I remember going to him, and I said, when I'm bigger, I'm going to kill you. Right? Um, and, um, you know, I'm bigger now, so he, yeah, I didn't kill him. Okay? <laughs> That's not where the story's going. <laughs> uh, uh, but just to give you a, a space of how broken my childhood was, is um, three years ago, uh, my wife and I are sitting uh, in our living room in our home. And I get a Facebook message from a distant relative. And they say, our cousin found your sister, Teresa. Okay, remember that. Let me tell you about my sister, Teresa. In that time of my childhood, I was told by my parents that Teresa died. You know, um, I have no memories of her. I saw a picture of her and was told that she died. But in fact, she didn't die. So now, 50 years old, this person who I thought was dead gets a hold of me. That was a weird night, wasn't it, Sandy? Um, and then she says, you know, it took her years to find her family and us. And she says, here's what I knew about our family. And she read the report. What happened is the state, the government, took her from our home because it was so violent. We were starving. And they took her. And I believe this is my mom, to avoid shame and questions from us, said that she was dead. And I think out of her lifelong shame, and my mom had passed, never told me she was alive. Didn't know. So this is the upbringing. And then I was raised in this. Um, so that violence over time turned into abuse. Um, you know, in every form of abuse you can imagine. Right? Physical abuse, sexual abuse um, on different family members. Because my mom remarried eventually. Um, my dad, I told you, actually died homeless on the streets from alcohol poisoning. That's what his journey was. My mom remarried. And in between them, there were five different marriages. So that we had, in fact, it's a joke in our home. Uh, I keep finding every about two years another sibling that I have. Right? Um, I get a call, hey, I'm your brother. Hey, I'm your sister. Okay, wow. You know, I, um, and it, most people are like, oh, amazing, this great uh, reconciliation, meeting someone. Said, it happens every other year. It's like no big deal for me, right? Um, uh, just because it was such a mess. There's so much violence, so much abuse. But here's what happened. In that, the world begins to give you a message, right? Starts giving you a message that you start believing that you're not wanted. I heard it loud and clear. And if you've come out, out of poverty, what you know is the world treats you that way. 
when you don't have what they have, when you aren't as educated as them, um, when you're just trying to survive, and maybe you're dirtier and your clothes don't look so good compared to them, um, they begin to tell you, you're not wanted here. You're not wanted. Um, you are unrepairable. Your life is so ugly, so broken, so shameful, um, it can never be fixed, and you will be broken forever. The message to the world is you're unlovable. You're not worthy. Because the things you've experienced, the things you've seen, the world can't love you. You're unusable. You will never do anything of worth because you're so broken. And I started believing that. But what happened through Jesus? I learned, even me, even me, because uh, all those things um, of what I went through were true, except there's something greater at work in this world than this world. So in that, what I decided, I got older, I got bigger, and I was going to do this. Okay, I was going to show the world. And so I began to come up with how I thought the world worked, you know, in my own mind and my worldview, they called it, right? Very self-sufficient, right? I was going to be the master and the God of my own domain. The world was not going to hurt me anymore. I got bigger and I got stronger. Unfortunately, I became a bully, right? Hurt people, hurt others, right? Okay, so now I'm going to use my size to, you're not going to hurt me anymore. I'm going to hurt you. And I'm going to have the world figured out. Oh, I remember people coming and sharing different things, the gospel. I remember I didn't want to hear it. I was too smart. They were stupid. They were weak. All those religious people. And then I thought, well, it seems to be the people that um, have money and education. Um, so what I, I cleaned myself up, bought some new clothes, um, got a beautiful girlfriend, you know, in, in high school, and now is my wife, this lady right here, right? I know, come on. Uh, we started dating in middle school, so you know, is when we started dating. Um, so we've been together a while. So she is a saint. I know it, right, to put up with me, okay? Uh, but it's this. Um, so I started doing that. I started working hard in sports and got good in, in American football, right, and got some, some, some you know, praise through that. Um, started working hard in school. For years, I just flunked out and did horrible. Uh, so I started doing good in school. Okay, um, People start treating you a bit different. If you're good in sports, guess what? They, I noticed, like, hey, they're treating me a little different. Um, I got bigger than, and so the people didn't say mean things to me anymore because I was big and mean, right? Oh, um, and so, okay, 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 um, this is, might be working. And then I, I went to college. Of 13 kids, yeah, I was the first one that entered grade nine. Most of my sisters ended up pregnant in middle school. Grade seven and eight. First one. Then I was the first one to go to college. I was the first one to get a degree in college. And now this is it. Okay. Then I got a good job. Got a new, all of our cars broke. You know, uh, if you ever know poor people, you ever been poor, your car is always breaking down. You don't ever have anything, right? And that was my world. All of a sudden, I got a nice car. Like, look it. There's a problem with that. The world failed me. 
it made a promise to me that was a lie. And I didn't think it was a lie. I'd go, go to bed at night, and I wasn't sad. I wasn't depressed. But there was a hole in my soul. Right? I, you know, and it just, it just didn't come together. I said, what is that? There's just this space. Okay, I don't get this. I'm, you know, I guess I'll get more things. I'll do better. I'll get bigger. I don't know. Um, you know, we got married. Uh, we had a child, an amazing, amazing little girl. Our oldest daughter, Sydney's her name. Uh, man, it was just everything that the world said to do, I did. You know, I went to school to be an engineer, a very prestigious, right? Like, wow, I mean, and it wasn't satisfied. It was lying. And then something happened. A friend of mine, his name was Dave. Watch my time. Try to be good. I'm doing good. Um, his name was Dave. Um, I met Dave uh, when my wife and Sandy and I went to college. Um, we weren't believers. And so we did things in college that non-believers do, right? And then, unfortunately, some believers do, okay? Um, they were believers. We weren't. So we are the people, parents, you do not want your kids to meet in college, Right? So we led them astray, right? Um, but in all of our silliness, I'll call it, um, they had a faith. There's something different about them. Um, and then we went our separate ways. You know, in fact, I think we went to church with them a time or two, if I recall. Uh, nothing profound. Uh, much later in life, we end up at the same university getting some uh, different degrees. Um, again, now this time we're, you know, we are married, we have a child, they're married, they're working at a church now um, as youth leaders, and they invite me to something that's called Promise Keepers, and that's a men's ministry, right? And they'd go to sports stadiums. Remember, I, I'm a sports guy. And so, yeah, I said, it was at all these sports stadiums all over America, these big men's conference. And... Um, I'm going to tell you a truth. It might be a confession right now. Um, when you are, well, it's probably man or woman. When you have a young child at home and someone invites you to go away for the weekend, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going, right? <laughs> going to get some sleep, right? All this stuff. So Christian think, sure, let's do it, right? So got to go out with the boys for a weekend. And zero interest in anything Christian. I didn't even think about it, just so you know. I was thinking, I get to sleep, no crying babies, and I get to be with my buddy, right? And we did. We, uh, I remember driving down, uh, you know, uh, you guys know who Eric Clapton is? Some of you old people is an American musician. He has this very famous song called Cocaine. Um, so my memory of driving to this Christian conference is we were going 110 miles an hour to see how fast my car could go, um, flying, listening to Eric Clapton, cocaine, blasting and screaming cocaine at the top of our lungs. Okay, that's going, um, and I'm going to tell you where it ends up. Yeah, I'll fill in the, we, we're singing praise songs on the way home. <laughs> going one mile an hour below the speed limit, right? Uh, things change. So we went down to this conference, and we're just sitting there. And I love this. Uh, the speaker got up, and even today did something that I had never seen done before. He did not hype up the message. You know, and sometimes there's a place for that of really building up to a message and giving you a big message. This guy gets up, and we're in a baseball stadium. I'm in the outfield because, you know, it's a packed conference. 
and uh, the stage is at home plate. So I'm out there, um, out in right field, sitting there, listening. And he shares the story of Jesus, simply. No hype, right? No tricky word or great little slogan to remember. Just gets up there, uh, shares this message of Jesus. And I'm listening to this, and I'm hearing it differently. It's interesting that God sent his son to die for our sins because he loved us. Now remember, you heard my story. I didn't know love like that. I was trying to find great love, and the closest love was, was from Sandy to me that I could see that even came close to anything like that. Besides that, it was nowhere to be found in my life. So I'm hearing about this love. Uh, someone would come and die for your sins. And guess what? At this age, you didn't have to convince me I was a sinner. I knew I was. That was easy, right? I knew I was... And I thought, okay. Um, and that was his message. And then he says this. You know why you're here. And he says, come up here. So I'm sitting there, and then the band starts playing. I mean, it was one of the shortest messages I've ever heard in my life at a church. Um, and that was the message, right? That was it. And I'm sitting there in this seat. And I heard this message for the first time uh, with my mind as I calculated all the studies now, you know, being, oh, I'm a smart guy. Or, uh, and this makes sense. This connects a lot of dots. I heard with my heart. Something spoke to my heart deeper than I've ever been spoken to ever. The love of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, the promise of a relationship with him now and forever. And all that I had to do was have faith in it. I couldn't earn it. Remember, I went through a season of trying to earn my way to making life make sense. I sat there. I just felt something in my soul moving. And we're all just sitting there, and it's awkward. Right? You Christians know what this feeling is. You ever invite a non-Christian to a Christian event? It might even be today. You may have somebody sitting right next to you like, oh, great. What are they hearing right now? <laughs> Everybody was doing it. No one was looking at each other straightforward. The most awkward moments there. And you can just feel it. I'm there, and there's my buddy, and I'm like, I just turned to him, and I said, I can't stay. And what I meant is there was something, there's this position in this world I was in, this place I was at that I couldn't be at anymore. That Jesus, I had to go to him. And I didn't know how anyone would take it because they're all, no one was looking at each other. I just looked and said, I can't stay. You know, I, I just felt something pulling me up. I to see something beautiful, right? Something I've never felt before. And so I stood up, and because I was embarrassed, I said, I'm just going, right? So I literally, we we're in the outfield. If you've ever been to a baseball stadium, the walls are, right? So I jump over the wall land on my feet, right, and I run to the front, and it's right by home plate. I don't even know what you're supposed to do when you get up there, just so you know, so I dropped on my knees. I looked up, and I said, here I am, because I didn't know what else to say. I said no fancy prayer, right? I just said, here I am, because I heard for the first time that Scott 
you're wanted. Something called me so powerful. I've never felt that wanted ever. He says, you are lovable. I love you so much that I would die for you. A love I couldn't even take in, but I knew it was true. I knew it was true. He says, you're repairable. All that junk that happened to you and that you did, it's washed. I felt it. Remember, there's no preacher talking to me. There's no, you know, I didn't know. I felt it. So what I'm telling you, I, I heard with my heart. Now I have some words for it. But I felt this acceptance and this yes from him. And then he did this cool thing. Because my soul just felt a peace I have never felt before. Then he spoke to me visually, you know. Um, I saw this thing pop up in my mind. And it said, and I see it today. It says, now I'm going to use you. As I sat there and thinking, even me, that you would work in my heart, that you would do all this for me, that you can restore and repair the brokenness, even me your power can reach and do something with. And then what he did is he gave me a sign that still inspires me today. He says, now I'm going to use you. I didn't know what that meant. Right? So I stood up on my knees, and it's funny. They had, you know, kind of people came up and shared a booklet with you. I heard nothing they said. I mean, and I don't, I mean, I'm a Christian. I do, I do that stuff all the time, and it, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying God's voice was so loud. His heart was so loud um, that those things, I, just, I heard loud and clear from him, right? And so I walked back up to my seat, um, and there's some miracles that took place, right, uh, in that time. So I get back in my seat. Conference was two days. So, or, you know, go through that, you know, next day we come. And, of course, you know, just awesome. The worship was different. You know, it was like so powerful and these things. The conference ends. I thought, okay, we'll get out there. And, you know, it was thousands of men. I said, well, if we get in the infield and just go out that door, we'll get out quicker, right? So I said, okay, follow me, everybody. I've got, you know, papers from the week. And so I go and I jump over that wall. It was a 14-foot wall. Um, I'm going to embarrass myself here. And it has a, a dirt dirt warning track. Uh, you ever see those cartoons where they go, they keep falling? That's what it was like. I thought, hey, I mean, I was like a cat when I was going up front. I jumped off that thing, landed on my feet, and, you know. I come up, I land. I mean, it was so far. I land on the thing, fall over in the dirt. My papers fly everywhere. Um, I'm rolling around because it hurt. Uh, and I get up and like, I said, man, the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, I leapt from that wall. And suddenly I said, okay, God, you must be real. So I limped, uh, right? Uh, and then I was there with my buddy. So that night, I uh, called my wife. And she's home with our child, you know, grinding life out. She's all, you know, in the journey with me. And she goes, how was it? And this is what I thought. I said, you know, I said, I don't know. I said, but here's what I do know. 
everything's going to change. I felt something in my soul shift. Now you can, you know, like I, I mean, this is my best friend in the world. Uh, I couldn't give words to it. I just knew something changed. And it's true. Like I said, kind of the funny thing is we get in the car driving home. We're singing the worship songs that we bought the album, you know, going below the speed limit, right? It's funny. I, I was a changed man. But here's the deal, that God can take this broken, abused, poor. I'm going to use this word, okay, stupid, because that's what the world told me. Boy, even that boy, he did something powerful in his life. That night, before we left, as I was laying there, I was surprised by something else. That little hole in my soul I talked about, right? That little space, like it just, ugh, was not there. It was filled. I'm telling you right now, I've had some hard days and scary nights and pain and tears. I've never felt that hole come back, ever. God filled that hole, right? There's a meaning of him. And it says in Ecclesiastes that God puts eternity in our heart, right? And eternity came into my heart. I understood where I was going forever and who would be with me every day. And all of a sudden, the world made sense in a whole different way. And I you know, really slept at peace that I have ever since. Like I said, even in really scary times, uncertain times. I'm at peace because of Jesus. Right? Amen. Um, So in that, um, God started working through me. Right? Um, I go back. I couldn't stay at university. I was studying at that time, and I was just, you know, I was like going to get a different degree. And I just, my wife, I said, we can't do this. It's just. That doesn't set right with us. So we went back to our hometown and, you know, started working back in, in the career I was in. Uh, and then my church came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, the pastor wants to meet with you, which you guys know it's always scary, right? It's like, the pastor wants to meet me. <laughs> what do I do now? Did they find something out? So they met with Sandy and I, and they, they said, um, we want you to be our youth pastor. And this is only a year and a half later, not very long. So I'm not, so I guess no seminary, no Bible school. In fact, every once in a while the youth pastor would leave and I would do the youth Sunday school. And I was the worst teacher ever. True, Sandy? Let's be real. I'm I'm joking. I was so bad, I hated hearing myself, right? Uh, It was the worst. And here's what's cool. You should have saw the kids when they found out I was going to be the youth pastor. They were terrified, like, he's horrible, right? (laughs) And we all knew it. And we didn't have to, like, you know, act nice. I was like, I'm horrible. We can't do this. I told the pastor, I cannot do this. I can't stand in front of people and teach. I don't even know anything about the Bible, barely. Uh, he says, okay, we can give that to you. What we can't give you is a Holy Spirit in your life working. Only God can do that. And so, guess what? We will get you to Bible school. We'll do those things. And now I've got those things in, in, in my uh, arsenal, if you would. I didn't that time. So I remember it was October 1st that year. I it was youth group. 
And so we get there. The pastor's there because everybody's terrified. That it's going to be horrible. And, 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 and they get before the night. It's going to be okay. We're here for you. I Meaning everyone's expecting to be the worst night ever. Right? Me too. Right? So I walk up there. And it was like a music center. I get behind that. And the Holy Spirit rains down. Even me who cannot talk. Right? It gets fat-tongued. Do you know what fat-tongued is? Can't talk. Makes sense. Um. I start teaching the message, and I'm, it's like an outer body experience. I'm looking at the kids. Their eyes are this big. No one could believe that this message came out. And I'll put this good. It was so bad before. I don't, um, but God did this amazing thing. Right? In that exact moment, even me, he, he can use. And I love to see what he did for me. Again, not all the experience. Uh, that youth grew and exploded. It got to a place that was so awesome. Um, we had to move out of the church because the youth ministry got so large. We had to go to a school blocks away, and the Lord filled that. Right? And it wasn't me. Remember, I don't know anything about ministry. I wasn't some great business plan guy. I was what Bro Jamar said. I'm just a dude that loved Jesus. Right? I love that phrase that you used. Uh, just a dude that loved Jesus. And I learned to say, he can come into my life, even me. So the least I can do is say yes to him. Right? And that's all I did. And I still do it today. I just say yes. I said, you want me to do this? God, I think you're crazy. You're picking the wrong person. But the answer is yes. Right? And then we went to this uh, uh, church years later. And now I was going to be an associate pastor. You know, working in the career, and we're there, and part of that was still being a youth pastor. Um, and so there were three kids in the youth group, and it was one of the most godless places I've ever been to. Super liberal, anti-Jesus, just not Christian. They were anti-Jesus. They would teach and speak in the schools against Jesus. And I get planted there. I was like, he's crazy. So... Um, God did this incredible movement. Uh, we started a Bible study with two middle school boys, right? And then what God did, it's a little like the one beat story. All of a sudden, we had to get, we had to knock walls out because they just kept coming. And we didn't know why. We kept, what's happening? We were just being faithful. We are just saying yes to Jesus. Uh, we got to a place where there, the public high school, over 60% of the kids were coming to our ministry and into our camp, and kids were getting saved. It was a revival in this small town, right? He did that, because I'm telling you right now, uh, I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know, in North Shore, where I'm at right now, you know, he called me, and I just said yes. Okay, we're going to move from this uh, place we're in. We're going to go um, to this place called North Shore Christian Church, um, and just so you know, I took a job there because he called me that um, I had to take a massive, massive pay cut. And I'd been in ministry at that time 18 years, I believe. And um, the, the, the job I took was with people that were just coming, in a sense, off of regular jobs. So they're just early. So I'm here, Bible degree, seminary, and my coworker was a postman uh, a week before that. Other guy worked as construction, and here we are. And I just saying yes to Jesus. That's all I'm going to do. I just want to say yes to you. You called me here. Yes. Uh, and, you know, over time, God used me at North Shore. I'm the lead pastor now. But the important is not titles. I'm not impressed with titles at all. Um, it's this. This church culture. 
was broken. It was, it was everything you read bad about how church people treat each other. And when they called me to be the pastor, um, I told them before I wouldn't be there. I'm taking my name out. And they came and said, hey, we think God wants you to do this. Um, I remember I prayed, and God said, I want you to change the culture. I said, I don't want to do this because I don't like to preach. don't like to get up in front of people. That never, right? Um, and he says, I want you to change the culture. And God did his thing. I just said yes. He changed his place. If you go there right now, and you know, relational discipleship is what we use, it, it feels like one beat. When you walk in there and people love each other and care for each other deeply, we're family, right? There's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. There's not judgment and anger and hate and gossip. Is unfortunately what the church is usually known for. And there's this powerful thing of people being family. And that's what he did. So God, even me, worked in me, and then he worked through me. I want to give you a few verses um, as we wind down. This is some things to, to think about scripturally about this story of who God uses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, it says this, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God uses foolish. And what Paul means here is weak people. Paul says, in my weakness, you are made strong. God, I was weak, trembling, as Paul mentions. And I still am. I'm always terrified to get up in front of people, terrified to lead. I'm terrified because I'm just, I'm just a dude that loves Jesus. Right? But he uses that. Why? Because he gets the glory. If God does something for me, uh, if you get to know me, you'll know it's not me, right? I laugh and I say, I am the poster boy that God can use anybody, even me, even me. He uses foolish things. And then last week, um, you heard an incredible message uh, from 2 Corinthians 4, right, about how he houses this gospel, uh, and it's in jars of clay. And understand, when Paul means this, what he's telling people, jars and clay are things made from this world, right? Uh, and they're weak and they're fragile. They will fail. They will break, right? But the gospel will prevail. And through that, God will get the glory. God uses broken people. God uses broken stories for his glory, for his goodness. I'm not glad what happened to me, but I'm glad that I get to stand here today and point to Jesus. Look what he did. Look what he did. Would I do it all over again to give him glory? The answer is yes. Yes. Because he can use a broken, poor little boy that the world is pushing out to go all over the world, go to the Philippines and talk to people about Jesus. I got to do that now because he can use even me. He can restore even me, a broken story. He can use your story. Here's the truth. All of our stories are broken. 
the gospel is powerful. It will take that brokenness and use it for his glory and show the power of Jesus. Your story, your broken story, will probably be what draws people to Jesus around you. Right? And then lastly, we look at Jesus. He lived this out as well, calling his disciples. Remember when he was on the shoreline, right? These fishermen. These are just ordinary guys that have flunked out of the education system. Just so you know, when he said, come follow me, and he discipled them, they were common people. They'd flunked out. They didn't arrive at the top. They were just dudes, right, that he knew I'm going to have them invited me. They're going to fall in love with me, and they are going to change the world, right? Even them. God uses ordinary, everyday people to do great things in the kingdom. Acts 4.13. How do we get there? In Acts 4.13, the world's changing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders are fighting against it. Paul was part of this, you know, killing Christians because there's a, the movement just could not be stopped. And here they came, and, he, and they're talking. He says, look at what these guys, these are unschooled, ordinary men. But here's the criteria. They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus, and the world's changing because of them. He can use even me. And I want to end with this. He can use even you. Right? He can use even you. What's your story? He's using it. You might be sitting here just like I was. You did not intend anything spiritual. You think you've got it all figured out. You're working on your own pride. You got it figured out and God's talking to you. Brother or sister, do not take another step in this life without saying yes to him because he's going to do far greater things in you than you can even imagine or even dream of, right? If you say, I know that piece, God, I've been there. He wants to use your story for the kingdom of God. You want to change Baguio City? You go out and tell your Jesus story wherever you're at, Right? You don't have to be super smart. You don't have to know the whole Bible. Just go tell your Jesus story. And this city will change. He's done it before. He's still doing it. So my question to you is, what is your even you story? So I'm going to pray right now, and we'll get the team up here. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father God, you're good. You're beautiful. Thank you retelling the story, just remembering uh, how powerful your gospel is. And so the only thing I know is Jesus and him crucified. Everything pales in comparison to that. Everything is powerless compared to that. But the power of your gospel to transform and change my heart, our hearts. Such a beautiful love story. And I pray for each person. I pray for that person right now who's full of pride uh, and has put a wall up, has created their own worldview. I pray you'd break that wall down and they would come to your invitation and say yes to you. I pray for all of us 
that we would know that you are going to use us, the foolish, broken, ordinary people that have been with Jesus. And you want that to radiate everywhere. So I pray each person would see right now. Holy Spirit, rain down. And they would see where you want them to use them, in their house, in their workplace, in their street, in their city. And would you get all the honor and glory as you breathe down revival in Baguio City. Jesus, thank you. We love you. And together we say amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Mic test. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor, for that great message. I was broken, but not anymore. I'm just broke right now. <laughs> um, I was given an assignment by Sister Isel. Submitable until 11 a.m. <laughs> ah, 12 p.m. I'm almost late. Uh, have you been joked by God? Has anyone here been joked by God? I was. Okay. There was this financial uh, dispute that I was struggling with since March of this year because the bank would ask me, to pay an accurate interest for a program I never joined in. So I was struggling to, I was fighting for that since March. So March, April, May, June, I, fight, I fought the fight myself. So I said, kaya ko yan, laway lang katapat niyan. So I used my, my uh, speaking power, my email power, I emailed the bank. So for three months, nothing happened. We just exchanged messages. I, with my argument, them with their argument. So for three months. So I decided, I think I need God to help me with this. So I started praying, God, help me with this fight. This is financial. And you know, though I, I am no longer broken, I'm still broke. Okay, so you have to help me. Because the bank was asking me to pay an accurate interest of 27000 so uh, God gave me the money, but I just did not feel it right to give that money to, to the bank. So I prayed, but it seemed that God was not listening. So uh, like it was already August, nothing was happening. We were just exchanging messages, and then I was calling them. They would give me promises. So by July, no, by August, I started bargaining with God. So I said, God, please help me with this. Let me win because I feel that I would rather give the money to something that is worth spending the money for than give it to the bank. So I promise, Lord, I'll give it to that something that is better than giving it to the bank. And then just like, Five weeks ago, the bank called, I called the bank, and then the, the agent said, your account has been closed. So you're okay now. You call me, you call the bank next week, 
so that we can give you the instructions on what to do so that you can get your ORCR. So I said, thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So the fall, so remember I bargained with God? So that bargain I, I, did, I did with God, I fulfilled my promise. Before I even called the bank, because I believe, I trust. He, uh, he, he, uh, he did his bargain, he's part of the bargain. He, I already received the message from the bank that it's closed. So I fulfilled my end of the bargain. I gave away that money to that particular purpose. I, I promised God to bring that money, to give that money for. So the following week, after I have given up the money, I called the bank. And here's what happened. The agent said, your account is not closed yet. And then I said, Lord, is this a joke? You told me it's closed. How come it's still open? So I had to argue again. And then I called, I, 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 I sent a message to Pastor Mark. Pastor, I need your help. Please pray with me okay? and pray for me. So he prayed. Okay. <laughs> okay. I need your help. So he prayed. And then I waited. I waited for like um, still weeks. And just last week, I heard the answer. And this is final. We already went to the bank to fill the L LAO, like a letter, authorita authorization letter that they would give us the ORCS without ha us having to pay. So this is real. Now, what did I learn from this one? Number one is trust. We trust God. We trust God. Giving is actually trusting God. If we don't trust, if we don't give, we, we actually do not trust God. Like, I gave that, I gave that money up because I had bargained with God. Okay? And later on, I found out the bar it was not yet closed. So, we have to trust because He is the source of everything. And this is one thing we should remember. When God gives us a promise, he will not put himself into shame. He will never put himself into shame. He will fulfill his promise, whatever it is. And many times in my life, I would, like in giving, for example, I would see my wallet, there's just enough money for the whole week, but I know that I have to give it for the church, I would give it to the church. Because I believe God will not will not abandon us. Um, actually, God has been providing for nine persons in my household. We're nine in the family here in Baguio City, and God has been providing us. I'm the only one working at this time, and God has been providing all our needs, not really the luxurious ones, but he has been providing all for us nine here. So, what else can we ask for? Why should we not trust God? He is everything. He has everything and he gives us everything. Why still question his ability to provide? Okay. According to uh, Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You may be broke. But your Father in heaven is very rich. Amen. You will never go hungry. Just believe that. Okay? So, 
if you have not yet decided in your heart to really give, then give wholeheartedly from your heart, then maybe it's high time for you to believe, to trust, that even if you will give the last cent you have in your pocket, you will never go hungry. Not ever. He will not, he will not abandon us. He will not let his children uh, be, go hungry on the street and die on the street. There will always be. It happened one time. We had no food to eat. So I said, God, I have no more money. Um, amazingly, somebody uh, gave us a gift. And would be enough for us to survive for the whole week. Okay? So never doubt God's goodness. He is so good. He will never, never, never abandon us. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we praise and glorify your name. Lord God, we raise our voices to you in worship and in prayer. We thank you, O Lord, for all your goodness, for all your mercy, for the gifts and blessings that you have given us. Lord God, um, give us a heart, a, a generous heart, O God, and let us understand your goodness. Let us understand that you are there always for us, and all we have to do is to trust in you. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that it is right to give back to you because we did not have, we do not own anything. Everything that we have is yours, and we should give back what you deserve. You don't even need what we will give you, but you know, we know that these things that we are giving you, you'll be using them for your glory through your works on earth. So help us, O oh Lord to be generous enough to give to the works for your greater glory. This we ask the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let us give back. Amen. So before we close in a word of prayer, uh, tomorrow uh, a team will be traveling to Aparikagayan to help facilitate a disciple shift experience to almost 80 pastors and ministry workers over there. And part of the team are people that come from One Beat. 
people who said yes to the Lord, regardless of the cost. So this morning, can I call the team to come in front? Those who are uh, part na pupuntang Apari Kagayan tomorrow. Our little missionaries, you have to be sent to Apari. Imagine 11 hours trip going to Apari. And can I call Pastor Scott yeah, to give, uh, to pray for the team that's about to go to Apari tomorrow morning. Good. I, I, I love one beat of making Jesus' last command your first concern, right? Of go make disciples of all nations, right? Uh, these are hands and feet that are doing that. Uh, one beats a church that's doing that. So uh, I know through his word, he's pleased with you. And I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would multiply your work. Great work. Um, and again, he is still in the business of changing this world, drawing it, and he's going to use you. Let's pray. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father God, I just lift this team up to you. Uh, I pray for travel mercies, that you would protect them uh, on their travels. Um, and God, as they reach their destination, um, you know exactly who you are called to be there. And I pray that there be a movement on their hearts and their soul as they learn about your command to make disciples, to make people who are in love with Jesus, who are following Jesus, allowing him to transform and change them into the likeness of Jesus. And so I pray that you would give them the words. You would remind them of their story. And that would overflow and be part of others' story. So all of this in your glory, for the purpose of you, uh, we send our missionaries out in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we all said, amen. Love you guys. God bless you. And so before we end, uh, can I call Pastor Scott and his lovely wife, Sandy? And as we also get to pray for you as you travel to Australia tomorrow to be with family. So may I invite everybody to stand up as we pray for our mighty man of God and his lovely wife, Sandy. So just stretch either your right or your left hand as we get to pray for them. Father in heaven, truly you are good. You are faithful. And as we have listened to this story, Father, we see you in his story. Father, we thank you for the life of Pastor Scott. We thank you for continuously moving and revealing yourselves every step of the way in his story. Father, truly, we know that this is just the beginning of many wonderful things that are about to do in his life. Father, we pray for his family. We pray for his sister Sandy. We pray for their two daughters, their grandchildren, their husbands, oh Lord. Lord, may your favor and goodness continuously overflow in their life. That as they travel to Australia, we thank you for rest. We thank you for their family. We thank you for the opportunity to connect and to be relational. Father, remind them of your love and your grace that abounds. Father, we pray for their traveling mercies. We pray for your blood to continuously cover you, O Lord God. 
Father, we thank you that truly he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Father, in the life of Pastor Scott, in the life of Sister Sandy, we know you are pleased. Father, we honor you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So, please stay. And so part of which we would like to give a small token in remembrance of us. May these tokens remind you of one bit and your love for Jesus. Baguio. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Scott. Since Sandy, may I call Kevin? Makakaupo muna po tayo. Before we end, uh, just a couple of announcements. Uh, aside from our Sunday service and Sunday worship, we have a lot going on during the week. So, so just to give you an overview, uh, we can watch this video. So, uh, if you're a young professional and you wanted to join um, Coffee, you can just uh, contact Ate Lovely. And Ate Lovely is Ate Lovely. And si Kuya PJ, it's not here. And Youth Jam, uh, I believe they will be having an um, activity on October 21. So, if you're interested, you're young and free, you can contact Carissa. That's si Ate Carissa. 
Saka si Kuya Jasper, Zoom bahay. Yan sa mga young ones, yung mga dating young. <laughs> so you can contact um, yung mama ko, si Mama Lisa, yan, for, for, more in, for more information. Ecclesia. Yan, so basketball camp. Actually, closed na po yung camp. Pero we encourage everyone to join. Kasi when, when, when you go there, you can see you know, how God works. Nga, Pastor uh, Scott, very thankful for, for your message. Very powerful. It is so powerful when, when you ended the, the prayer. Uh, me and my wife and Eric, we looked at each other and we're crying. <laughs> we can relate. So we want to thank you for, for that message, Pastor Scott. And um, very important announcement, baptism. October 31, that is Tuesday, 8 a.m. sa Riverview. So aside sa mga kapagbakasyon tayo, makakapagbaptism pa tayo. So you can contact any leaders or any ministries if you're interested. Yun lang po. Maraming salamat. Alright, let's all stand up as we end in a word of prayer. Yan, tap the person next to you. Sabi mo, you are blessed. Tap, tap the person at your back and say, you are favored. Find somebody new and say, you are loved. And now declare it to yourself, I am a child of God. Let's raise our hands to the heavens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Truly, every story matters to you. Father, may people see Jesus in our stories. I pray that the love of God, the abounding grace of His Son, Jesus, and the constant fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord and all of God's children with sin. Amen and amen. God bless. Keep safe. See you next Sunday.